Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 74. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Caroline Borders. And today we're going to be talking about the recent Flint, Michigan water crisis and the troubles and complexity surrounding it. So to begin, we're going to give a brief timeline about the issues that have led up to this current catastrophe or whatever word you would like to use to describe it. In 2011, the Michigan legislature adopted Public Law 4, which granted the governor the power to declare a financial crisis in local governments and appoint an emergency manager to make all financial decisions, which are the underpinnings of everything a city does. Once the manager was appointed, the elected representatives, council members and mayors, effectively lost all authority to make any decisions at all. And this empowered the manager to void contracts, including those with labor unions. Michiganders in 2012 were very upset and killed this law with a ballot initiative, but the legislature responded by passing an even more draconian version of the law, which embedded a budget appropriation within it. And under Michigan law, that means that it could not be overturned by a referendum. So the elected representatives of the state went directly against the expressed will of the people of Michigan. And in Flint, this decision maker was not accountable to the people of Flint, but to the governor who had appointed him. In 2014, local officials made the decision to switch the city's water supply from a longtime source supplied by the city of Detroit, which contained corrosion-controlled chemicals, to the Flint River, which did not contain these chemicals. It was promoted as a cost-saving measure for the city, which was facing financial difficulties, but the Flint River water corroded the city's pipes and leached poisonous metals into the city's water supply, including lead, which is very toxic when consumed. And so now, in 2015 and 2016, things really came to a head after numerous complaints by citizens that the water had tasted strange and was strangely colored, was causing dietary and general digestive problems in those who were consuming it. And Flint city officials told everyone things are fine, we're taking care of it, we are looking into it, but that's not the case. And recently, several emails were shared from Michigan Governor Rick Snyder, who noted that he has a responsibility to the people he serves and failed them as governor of Michigan. And countless people are asking him to stand down. Various celebrities like P. Diddy and Magic Johnson have expressed outrage, and those like Cher and Meek Mill have actually pledged large donations of water to the city because this is really outrageous, to say the least. And the filmmaker Michael Moore, who's actually a native of Flint, sent out an online petition to Obama demanding that on his visit to the Detroit Auto Show in mid to late January, that he actually stopped by Flint, which is less than an hour's drive away. And he said, we implore you to come to Flint. Do not ignore this tragedy taking place every day. This may be Governor Snyder's Katrina, but it will become your Bush flying over New Orleans moment if you come to Michigan and then just fly away. And Obama did not in fact go to Flint during his visit, but did address it while there and met with the mayor of Flint in Washington the day before. So the issue is of course very troubling and and what's more, Flint is a relatively poor blue-collar city of just under 100,000 people. The median income there is $24,000, and 56% of the population is African-American. And many people are saying that this isn't simply an accident or a random coincidence, but it is a racially charged form of attack or genocide, and certainly willful neglect of a problem that has been going on for years. And of course, there's a lot of charged rhetoric surrounding the issue. But Caroline, where would you like to start this discussion? Well, just listening to that timeline of events at a fundamental level, and we'll get to race and class, I hope, in this conversation, because that is certainly there. But at a fundamental level, there is this question of trust in one's government and the idea that your government is supposed to provide you with the services you need to survive. And that involves 
in the United States clean water. And you put that trust in your government to provide that service in an ethical and reliable way. I agree. And it would be one thing if the resource that was being neglected was not essential and was used by some for recreational purposes or anything else. But water, as we said in a recent episode, is one of the most essential aspects of human life and life on Earth. And it's obviously necessary to survive. And lead poisoned water, much like any poisoned water, can have adverse health effects, mental effects, psychological effects that no one deserves. It is, in my opinion, a form of torture to do that to a city. And it's also a very cruel psychological maneuver to convince the citizens that nothing is wrong and on some level that they are either imagining it or that the issue they perceive is not nearly as bad as it in fact is. And so they stop trusting themselves and eventually stop trusting their government. And that collapse of trust for me is a very sad aspect about human interaction because as a nation and as a globe, I would hope there's more cooperation and general human companionship that you could rely upon. But clearly that's not always the case. It seems as though the motivation here was simplicity and financial benefit on the part of the city of Flint. But that's hardly an excuse when people die or suffer severe side effects of this poisoned water. Do you think that a financial settlement or anything that's done in court, as I suspect it will be, will be enough to repair this damage? I don't think so. I mean, the effects to one's health is permanent, isn't it? And I think it really goes to show that economic gain is not always worth it. I mean, I feel like in our country, we are always talking about how to advance the economy. When this plan to use water from the Flint River rather than buying water from Detroit was initially instated, they said it would save the city $19 million over the course of a decade or so. And you have to think, is that worth it? Especially when it comes down to lying to your citizens. And then when you take it to a national level, you really have to ask who is complicit. Is it just the government of Flint? I don't know because had this, and maybe this goes into class and race, of course, they're always linked. Had this been an upper echelon white community, would this not have made national news when things initially started? You know, I think this has been going on for two years now. This is the first I've heard of it. So to what extent is the entire national mentality surrounding poor people and the services that they are entitled to or maybe not as entitled to as people who are wealthier? To what extent are we also complicit in the damage done to them? I think that's a really important and troubling question, but nonetheless one which needs to be asked. And in last week's conversation when talking about Obama's rhetoric, we explored the idea that hard working Americans deserve rewards. And I suspect there's a very twisted philosophy that the citizens of Flint are not contributing as much to the economy as others and therefore don't deserve the same rights, which I find appalling. And I'm also especially bothered by one quotation in one of the articles we read, which we will of course link to, in which a respected figure from Flint noted that this was doubly damaging because not only were citizens incapable of using the water that was being pumped into their houses, but they had to pay to buy bottled water. And so the city itself may have benefited financially, but at the cost of the citizens who weren't paying taxes, they were buying water because the city had poisoned them. And I'm sure there will be discussions in politics and elsewhere about active versus passive negligence. But I think if your job is 
to represent the people who trust you and who elected you to office, then you have a responsibility. And I personally don't accept Governor Snyder's statement that he's failed the people of Flint and the people of Michigan. That's not enough. I think you should show what you mean through your actions and donate money or at least try and repair the situation in whatever way you can. And as I said before, I think court cases will determine what happens from here. But I agree with you. I don't know that that trust could ever be rebuilt, especially on such a widespread level. It wasn't one person hurting one. It was tens of thousands of people being harmed by what is presumably a much smaller group of individuals who either were in the know or, as these articles also stated, shot down any requests to fix the problem. Those who have been affected will never forget this, if for no other reason than the fact that water is so prevalent in our lives that they will always think about it when drinking or doing anything water-related. And another quotation from these articles mentioned that the water was barely usable for flushing waste products. And besides that, you couldn't shower and it couldn't drink it. It's absolutely useless and really upsetting to hear about. Exactly. I mean, when water is something that we all take for granted in this country, suddenly it's something that could potentially harm you. That will always be in the back of their heads. I mean, it makes me think about how frequently this is happening in the country. Where else? I mean, had these government officials not been caught, who's to say that this wouldn't be going on still? When you trust your government and your government is telling you that you're crazy and that the water is fine, it just has a little bit of discoloring. What are you supposed to say? You're no expert on water. I'm no expert on water. I was telling you before this episode that I felt unqualified to talk about this because it is such a complex issue. So when you don't know better, and why would you? And someone who's supposedly an expert on this is telling you everything's fine and good, and then it's not, then of course I agree with you. That trust is not going to be recreated in a long time. And it's hard because one side of me is like, you should always be wary of your government. And that's part of the system of democracy. You don't trust your government so that if you don't like your government, you get rid of it. And that's what the system is founded on, right? But our lives are so much easier when we can take these services for granted. I think that's fair. I don't know that I would describe democracy so much as a distrust of government as I would a skepticism a healthy means of questioning those who are in power and should be cycled out frequently because I think when you've held power for that long, you lose touch with people, you lose touch with yourself to a degree, and power does corrupt. Yeah, I think... I think I meant that our government is founded on a distrust in government. I mean, initially. Right. That's an absolutely fair argument to make. And I hadn't made that connection, but I absolutely agree with you. I also find that it's especially troubling when you note how few resources the citizens of Flint probably had, not just in general, but to fight this. You can't easily hire a lawyer or any public defender to assist in your investigation of something when your income is so low and when people are telling you that you've been wrong. I just don't know what options they even had. You talk about not being an expert. If there aren't accessible libraries or any other informational resources to learn about how healthy water should taste, look, etc., what are you going to do? I feel like the citizens of Flint, to a degree, were always at the mercy of their government, especially when those democratic measures were taken away from them through the passing of laws that essentially stripped them of their voting rights and their ability to represent themselves in government and all of its very unfair to say the least and troubling. 
but also it speaks to a really troubling reality in the political climate where in a working class city like Flint, which is a majority minority city, a government feels as though they can take advantage of their people because I imagine Flint is not populated by people holding PhDs. I doubt that's the majority of the population. I doubt also that the majority of the population has a college bachelor's degree. And thus, the population is crippled from the beginning because they don't have the education and therefore the government sees that and says, oh, we can manipulate this. We can take advantage of it and they won't know any better because they don't. And I think it's just another example And there are so many in this country where poor people are taken advantage of because they don't have the resources that their government officials have. And isn't that why we elect people to govern so that they know better and they can speak for us because they do know better than us? It's a true failure. And I think what you were saying earlier about what Governor Rick Snyder said, that it's not enough. I mean, it's not enough just to say that he failed his people. I feel like there's a tendency in this country that a government official screws up and they resign. And then it's like, okay, he's gone now. But that doesn't change the situation. That doesn't atone for what he's done. I agree. And democracy, at least from my perspective, is notoriously slow. So whether you remove someone from power or not, change will not be instantaneous, yet the people of Flint and others suffering, I'm sure, from various malnutrition and neglect at the hands of local or state governments are also not seeing the change that they deserve when they deserve it, which is immediately because, as we've said numerous times, the government has a responsibility to them. And I also feel like our government failed itself in this situation in being intended to operate on checks and balances where those in power are checked by those who have similar power. And there's a discussion about decisions rather than a very small, almost oligarchical group of people making all of the decisions when there is absolutely a class issue that we'd mentioned earlier. And as for issues of race, which I feel especially unqualified to talk about when you had mentioned the hesitation to talk about things about which we're not experts, to me, a fundamental aspect of this entire issue is the failure to empathize with those who are different from you economically and, of course, racially, which, as we've mentioned, are tied to together in this and many other cases. And I suspect that on some subconscious or perhaps very conscious level, that's the excuse of the officials. And that, if they were being honest with us, is why those things took place. Because if nothing else, it would be very easy to identify this problem. And I'm sure people could make all kinds of excuses about fixing the problem and how long it might take or how much infrastructure would need to be altered and reinstalled. But no one acknowledged that something was going on until it was brought before them because of a scandal. And I don't think that's acceptable. And I hope that the people of Flint, regardless of race, but especially given the obvious divide, are given reparations, at least as best as can be provided, because they absolutely deserve it, in my opinion. I agree with you 100%. I think the people of Flint deserve compensation at the very least, but I think there needs to be a change in mentality surrounding low-income communities, especially those with a minority population. Like you said about how there's a tendency among politicians to see difference.
difference or to not be able to relate to communities that they are different from. I think that's one of the largest critiques of the political climate right now, where politicians are out of touch with the realities of their population. I mean, it's just like we can go to the supermarket and we can buy a saran wrapped pack of four breasts of chicken. And we think of that as chicken, but we're not thinking about the animal. We're not thinking about the farmer that we're impacting. We're not thinking about their livelihood and how everything is so intertwined. And so when a government is performing duties concerning water sanitation, they're not thinking about how that's affecting people. They're thinking about the water system and where it's coming from and how much it costs. Only thinking about it as a service rather than an essential part of living, which impact the people for whom it is providing. It's very easy to detach yourself and remove yourself from the consequences of what might occur. Absolutely. And although we aren't on the side of those officials who let down the citizens of Flint, I think their behavior is very common, frighteningly so, in a way that we wouldn't always acknowledge because we do detach ourselves from people that we don't see daily or interact with daily, and especially those that we can put in our mental outgroup and say that they are not like us, therefore they don't deserve what we deserve or should not get what we get. And it is a very troubling aspect of human psychology that I think can be combated and definitely addressed with more awareness and more skepticism of government that we mentioned earlier. And before we close this episode, what are some things you'd like the audience to think about? I guess a resounding aspect I take from this whole issue of Flint is the complexity of it all and how nothing is really as it might seem. And it really makes me think that there has to be other corruption like this going on in the US. It's impossible that there isn't, I think. And I think you need to try to be aware as much as possible of the underlying processes going on that are really trying to be hidden from you. And that goes with the idea of trying to mask the idea of class and race and in trying to act like those aren't issues that would impact something like a resource such as water, when in fact it absolutely does. I completely agree with you. And I'd like people to think about, especially those who had not heard of this story, why issues like this do not always come to light and how sweeping certain problems such as this under the rug can ultimately amplify the problem until it does explode. I think the correlation between race and class are especially important to examine. And as Caroline said, there's a distinct responsibility of every citizen to question their government as best they can and to at least try and be aware, again, as best they can, because there are restrictions and walls and fences put up that prevent people from learning more. And those are the areas of which you should be especially wary because someone put that wall up to try and keep you from learning something. And so at the risk of encouraging paranoia, I just want people to think about the processes, especially political, going on around them. Exactly. And when something happens in a city like Flint, maybe you're from California, maybe you're from France, it doesn't matter. Flint can be anywhere is the real thing. And Flint in a lot of ways is everywhere because it is the fault of any citizen, the media, all government officials because we are all linked one way or another. And thus, what happened in Flint could have been prevented had we all been more aware of it. Certainly, but we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts on our conversation or any of the issues brought up within it, please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you and you can connect with us on Twitter or on Facebook. 
where you can like our page and see when we post new episodes. And you can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to and reviewing the show and sharing it with someone else you think might benefit from the conversation. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And this is Caroline Borders. We'll see you next time.